other day, a friend of mine told me about a conversation that he had had with his four-year-old daughter. He had asked her if she was liking preschool, and she said no, she wasn't. And so he asked why, and she said this, Sometimes I cry because it's so noisy that I can't hear my own brain. The reality is that we live in a world filled with noise, and the noise and chatter competes for our attention, and so listening is becoming increasingly difficult to do. Yet we live in a world where, more than ever, people need to feel heard. Right now, seafarers are struggling to feel heard. They want to be listened to. They just want someone to hear their cries for help and to hear how they are doing. Today is the first in a two-part series where we're going to think about why listening is so important and how through listening we can better reflect the gospel. And next time in part two, we will think about some of the core skills of listening. But today we will think about why listening is so important and what some of the obstacles are to good and effective listening. So buckle in and join me on the journey as the crow flies. So today we're joined by another amazing guest on As the Crow Flies, the wonderful Dr. Lynn Barb, who is a teacher, writer, and blogger. Between 27 and 2017, Lynn served as Senior Lecturer in Pastoral Theology at the University of Otago here in Dunedin, New Zealand, which is where I first met her when we were developing the Master of Chaplaincy degree program through Otago. Lynn has written numerous books and Bible study guides, as well as journal articles and at least three murder mystery novels. Lynn has a Master of Divinity degree from Fuller Theological Seminary and a PhD in Communication from the University of Washington. Lynn is an ordained Presbyterian minister and has recently returned to New Zealand from her beloved home Seattle with her husband Dave as a COVID-19 refugee. So already uh, as we start our conversation today there are going to be many listening uh, into our conversation who have instantaneous connections with you Lynn. So welcome to As the Crow Flies. So happy to be here Lance. And how are you doing today anyway? Oh, I'm great. We have been settled in Dunedin now for exactly two weeks. And um, I can't tell you how nice it is to not be caught up in daily decisions about COVID safe behavior. So feeling unbelievably grateful. And I imagine there's sort of a bit of a, a release and a relief at, you know, just being able to relax a bit more. Oh, it's unbelievable. My, my heart is going out to friends and family members in the U.S. and other countries who are just so stressed. Yeah, absolutely. Now, a few years ago, you wrote a book which has been tremendously helpful to me, and it's an, an, entitled The Power of Listening, Building Skills for Mission and Ministry. And, and you know, I, I have to say, I don't think I'm a good listener. Um, but there are some things that we can learn around listening, and I think it's really important. I, I reflect back uh, when I was a military chaplain. I was in my office one day, and a soldier came into my office, and he sat down, and he just started talking and talking and talking and talking. And he talked, I think, for what seemed like about an hour. I didn't say a single word. Uh, I couldn't get a word in edway, edgeways. He was just talking and talking and talking. And at the end of that hour, he said to me, wow. Thank you for listening. That's been so helpful. And he got up and walked out. And I was absolutely dumbfounded as, you know, what have I done? I've done nothing. All I've done is sat here. So so what is the importance of listening? Well, I would say you did a whole lot more than sat there. <clears throat> I mean, 
You may feel like you sat there, but my guess is you gave him some eye contact. My guess is you nodded. Maybe you said, uh-huh. You kept him talking on some level. If you had, um, if he had sat down, started talking, and you had pulled out your phone and spent the whole hour reading your phone, I can pretty much guarantee he wouldn't have kept talking. So yeah. you were giving him some nonverbal through your body and then possibly nonverbal through your uh-huh, uh-huh that kept him talking. And I would argue one of two things happened there, maybe both. One is that you affirmed that he mattered, his situation mattered, um, that he's a valuable person. Like I said, if you pulled out your phone and looked, he wouldn't have got picked up that from you. But the fact that you were probably giving him eye contact and helping him to keep listening by your nonverbal behavior, um, you conveyed love, you conveyed acceptance, you conveyed value, you conveyed that these situations he was talking about mattered. So that's one sort of component of why listening matters is just the communication of affirmation of the person. But the other component, which may very well have gone on, is that the person may have talked his way through the issue that brought him into you. A very typical thing happens. Somebody comes and says, um, I'm really struggling with X. Let's just say I'm really struggling with my brother. My brother, yeah. um, you know, he and I just don't agree on how to deal with our parents. He and I don't agree with politically. I'm really struggling with my brother. And the first thing that often happens on the part of the listener is, have you tried yeah, whatever? Yeah. You know, have you tried something? And Oftentimes when, you know, I'm very practical minded, I tend to do that all the time. Oftentimes the person says, yeah, I've tried that. The different kind of question would be, what have you tried and how has it worked? Or what do you think might work? Or what would you like to try that you haven't tried? And my guess is that that person talking for an hour talked his way through those questions. I've tried this and it didn't work. But, you know, I've wondered if I should try that. But if I tried that, I would need to do this other thing. And if I tried that and did that other thing, well, then maybe this unexpected other thing would happen. But maybe if I'm prepared for that, then, you know, I'd cope with it okay. So the person themselves often comes up with solutions that are there lurking in their brain, but nobody's let them talk it through. So those two aspects, I think, of listening, the co communication of acceptance and giving a platform for the person to talk through whatever it is that they're trying to solve on their own. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, as you're talking about that, I reflect on, I mean, often when I'm trying to solve a difficult problem for myself, I'll go and mow the lawns. And while I'm mowing the lawns, I'll have a conversation inside my head and I'll do that and it might take me 40 minutes of mowing the lawns and I have this conversation in my head and I've gone nowhere with it. And then I sit down with Andrea, my wife, for two minutes and I say the same thing and she says, you know, what does that mean? Uh, she'll ask me a question. Or suddenly, because I'm saying it out loud, I see a completely different perspective on it. Right, and what you've just highlighted is a really significant listening skill, which is question asking. Yep. And if, if I am correct in what we're going to be doing here, we'll have another session yes. um, later about um, listening skills. So let's just kind of, as we go through today, let's just make a note of some of the skills that we want to talk about in the next session. Yeah, What's good. a good question? What's not a good question? And, and what you've just demonstrated, what does that mean? 
is definitely a better question than have you tried X, you know? Yeah. So we're going to want to talk another time about what makes a good question. And to build on what I've just said, part of what makes a good question is give the person the ability to think through the problem on their own. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's interesting what you said about, you know, if, if I'd sat there with my phone out through that whole time. I was uh, in a cafe uh, the other day, socially distancing, which was which is a, an important thing to do these days. And I saw a couple sitting at a table having a coffee. Clearly, they were, you know, a married couple or a couple who were in relation with each other. They were sitting having a coffee, but they had their phones out. They were staring at their phones. Um, and I had to think to myself, is communication dead? Uh, you know, has technology got in the way of us being able to listen? Uh, no, no, it hasn't, but it can, right. it could. Um, the reason I'm saying no, it hasn't, I think the pandemic has been hugely illuminating how significant relationships are. Look at the enormous uptake of Zoom subscriptions during the pandemic. Yeah. And, you know, people are Zooming with all kinds of people just because they need to talk to somebody. But um, I also want to make an argument about social media and about email and about forms of communication that we often denigrate as being inferior to, you know, face-to-face -face, uh, engagement. And I just want to say listening can be done in any venue good listening. Now, what's it look like on social media? Well, maybe it looks like saying, boy, I'm thinking about you with that awful thing that just happened. Um, my, it's so tragic. Just this week, my son's best friend from childhood's mother just died. Oh, so no. my son was telling me how upset he is about this because he knew his friend's mother very, very well. But um, this, this man whose mother just died posted on Facebook, um, Normally, I can't stand the idea of people saying my thoughts and prayers are with you. That just sounds so um, lazy and like people aren't doing anything. But in the face of death, you all have supported me. And I am deeply moved by what you have posted on Facebook uh, after my mother's death. Okay, let's not say Facebook is all good by any means and maybe even mostly not good. But you still can listen uh, to people who email you, listen on social media posts by paying attention to what lies behind what the person has said. I know that social media is not your topic um, on your on your podcast, so I won't go too far with this. But I really want us not to denigrate the significance of listening in in forms that are written yeah. rather than oral. Well, well, I have to say, you know, it actually, you, you've given me a new perspective, and I think it is very helpful. You know, working in the maritime sector where many, many, many uh, hundreds of thousands of seafarers are trapped at sea, the only way that they can communicate is through Facebook often. And so there's a sense which I'd never thought about me reading a post is a way of actually listening to somebody. So, Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Um, human beings love binaries. We want to make social media either good or bad. Right. And it's really got good aspects to it. And I just, I see all sorts of support going on on Facebook, also on Instagram. Those are the two that I use the most. Um, I see lots of support going on. Uh, 
now there's also lots of other stuff but anyhow let, let me let you change the subject yeah I know absolutely that's not your topic so, so so obviously you know we're talking today about the importance of listening the power of listening and you've you've said um earlier that you know um given giving permission is an important part and and actually uh, g- allowing a person to feel heard what are some of the other key um, important reasons why listening is so important because we're going to talk about skills next time but what are some Mm -hmm. of the important aspects of listening well you just mentioned feelings so that's let's bring that one up so um well let's just think about my son i am really sad that my son is grieving he's grieving for his friend's loss and he's grieving for his own loss this this other mother who He's my son spent a lot of time with um, in middle school and high school. Um, my son is experiencing a loss and I feel sad for him. So let's just say, Lance, you and I are chatting and I say to you, you know, I'm feeling sad for my son and I'm especially feeling sad for his friend, Tom. Um, and you say, oh, you shouldn't feel that way. Okay, then what do I do with how I feel? Yeah. Or maybe you, um, maybe you immediately change the subject, you know, um, well, I've, I know somebody who died last week, or maybe you frown at me. I say, I'm just feeling so sad. And maybe you frown at me, you take away eye contact, you look, look off to the side, or, or let's just imagine that we're having a conversation in a place where there's a TV screen on the wall. You know, lots of us have conversations in cafes and stuff, and you've been listening to me. And at the moment where I say, I feel so sad for my son and for his friend, Tom, you all of a sudden you look up at the screen and you start watching the rugby game on the TV screen. I mean, there's all kinds of ways to shut off listening when you come and and communicate to the person that you don't approve of what they're saying. So feelings, we all have feelings. Part of what good listening does is affirm that people, uh, we don't just have a right to our feelings. Part of being human is stepping into people's feelings with them rather than, you know, turning away and looking at the rugby game on the screen when someone's having a feeling that we don't think they should have or we feel uncomfortable with. So there's that whole sense of affirming what other people are feeling and thinking. Um, So, yeah, that that seems like another important reason to listen to me. Yeah. And, you know, I'm mindful that, you know, Often in our westernized culture, you know, we don't like emotions. You know, mm-hmm. we, we, we try to cover emotions up. You know, we don't talk about someone having died. Someone has you know, passed away or someone has, you know, whatever we want to use as a euphemism. But when it comes to, you know, people who are showing emotion, so if someone's sitting with you and they suddenly burst into tears, we immediately look for the tissues so that they can wipe their tears. And, and do we unconsciously say to them, actually, I don't want to listen to your pain. I, you know, I'm, I feel uncomfortable. Here's the tissues. You know, be quiet. Um, we're going to talk next time about the skill of being aware of our own emotions. Yep. So what you say about the tissue, um, we need to be able to metaphorically hand the other person the tissue or actually hand the person, the other person the tissue without being so uncomfortable ourselves that we uh, stop listening. So a, a huge important listening skill is figuring out what's going on inside of us and setting it aside so that we can be present to the other person. Yeah, and, and certainly in your research, you know, you did a whole heap of research around obstacles to listening. Um, I, I must admit, you know, listening intensely is exhausting. 
you know, because, you know, we really have to tune into the other person's feelings and emotions and all those sorts of things. And it can be exhausting. But what are, what are some of the key obstacles to good listening? Yes. So uh, the first obstacle that I'll mention is my personal favorite, giving advice. Oh, yeah. So one of the obstacles, it, it you know, the advice can take the form of a question. Have you tried X? But it can also be in the form of a story. Oh, you're feeling tired. I'm taking echinacea and I've been feeling so much better since I've been taking it. So advice can be in a question. It can be in a statement. Um, another one is denying. And I kind of mentioned that already um, when I talked about, you know, somebody's expressing sadness to you and you feel uncomfortable. So you look away at the TV screen or you frown at them. You can also deny with words by saying, oh, you shouldn't feel that way or you'll feel better soon. It's not all that important. Let it go. It's not that big of a deal. Um, another obstacle to listening is um, redirecting the conversation in a way that shuts down the listening. So a question and, a, uh, you know, have you tried X is a way to redirect. But another um, redirection form might be, um, you know, let's just say you're in that cafe. You, you don't only just look at the rugby game. You say, oh, hey, let's turn around. And, you know, you may want to turn your chair around. Something really exciting is happening on the rugby game right now. Or if you're sitting around a table, this real typical family thing, you're sitting around the table, you, you've all eaten dinner, you're all sitting there, relaxed, talking, you know, oh, the football game last week was really interesting. And wow, hasn't the weather been strange? And then somebody says, the election's coming up. And you know that at the table, there's differences of opinion about the election, and yeah. you don't want to listen. So you jump up and you say, let's get those dishes done. Like, well, we talked about going for a walk. Let's go for a walk. Let's go, go, go. So redirecting. Um, another form of redirection is telling our own story. You know, you're the whole time you're listening, the person's talking about um, some this hard situation they're having with their brother. And all you can do is think about your own brother. So the minute that there's a moment of silence, you leap into talking about uh, your own brother. All of these function as obstacles. And the, the understanding what's going on inside of us as we're listening is a super, um, super important listening skill that I want to talk about next time. So, so uh, you know, you, you're correct in the fact that, you know, often, you know, we're talking to someone and they immediately jump in and tell their story. And so we don't feel heard and we're trying to share our story. I don't necessarily think that people do that deliberately to uh, divert conversation. I think it's the fact that people just don't know that that's actually not a good thing to do, that people need to feel acknowledged and heard. And I, I think, you know, you mentioned that earlier, that acknowledgement is one of the key parts of why listening is important. Yeah. So um, let me make a little comment about this telling your own story idea, because sometimes I tell my own story very briefly as a way to affirm that what the other person is saying makes sense or matters or isn't out of the ordinary or whatever. So the person, you know, oh, I'm having this huge struggle with my brother. We just don't disagree about how we, we just don't agree about how to cope with our parents who are aging and we argue about it. And, um, and sometimes I tell a little story to validate, like I might say, yeah, you know, I had a conflict with my brother about such and such. Um, and we got through it by doing X, um, 
you know, I wonder what kind of things you've tried to get through it or, you yeah. know, there, that's a huge difference than the whole time that person's telling their story. I'm thinking, I want to tell my story. 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 And that's where, in my opinion, people in any kind of ministry, any kind of helping profession, one of the most important things they need to learn is how to set aside that inner voice that's telling them, I want to talk, I want to talk, I want to talk. So, um, you know, a very important skill. Yeah. And, you know, uh, you know, there's that quote again, you know, the biggest communication problem today is that we don't listen to understand or to hear. We listen to reply. Yes. Amen. Yeah. So, you know, this might be a good time, Lance, for me to talk a little bit about some of the things I've learned about listening since I wrote that. Book. Yeah, that'd be great. So let me just tell you that I was motivated to write the book by two people in my extended family who are really terrible listeners who <laughs> have made me feel um, pretty devalued oh, wow. a lot of my life. Yep. And as I did the research for the book, I dived into communication textbooks. I should, you said earlier, I have a PhD in communication. I studied new media for my communication, church yep. websites. Yep. I did not study interpersonal communication. Okay. But as I was getting ready to write this book, I went and got a bunch of textbooks out of the library on interpersonal communication. And I learned about all the little listening skills, like um, I'm telling the story about, you know, well, um, let's use um, one that fits with maritime ministry. You know, I haven't heard from my family for a long time and I'm worried about them. Okay. That might be a maritime, might be something that you hear from someone who uh, is in maritime work. And um, let's just say I'm saying that. And the, my family members would say, would not say, uh-huh. They would not give me eye contact or nod. They would not say, oh, I'm so sad it feels that way. They would not in any way indicate that they have heard what I've said. They would immediately jump to their own story. Yeah. And so after I wrote the book and I learned from all these textbooks about all these little listening skills, I noticed that these two difficult family members don't do any of them, okay? So that was the first thing. Then when I did all those interviews where people talked about obstacles to listening and stuff, I noticed that, you know, my, these two family members pretty much do everything that those that people talked about. So the years went by and the family members are still around and I still have a lot of contact with them. And uh, one's a male and one's a female. So I'll just say they, I'll, but yep. they might refer to one of them and not both of them. Yeah, yeah. But um, I learned some language about a year ago about the concept of erasure and being erased is an idea that um, has been, has come out of some of the studies related to people who are ethnic minorities, racial conflict, uh, LGBTQ people who feel erased. I, I have felt it on occasion when I'm in a church setting and I'm the only woman and there's a whole bunch of men present. You know, I, I haven't actually experienced as much as some other women. I, women have told me that they've been in church settings where they're the only woman and they say something and not one man in the room acknowledges that they've said it. The conversation just goes on as if their point wasn't made at all. Wow. So they were in effect erased. And so this language comes out of, of race and gender studies. 
Um, but I experience erasure with these two family members. And that really gets to this, this logic of listening. Why do we listen? We don't want people to feel erased. I mean, it's like erasure is the opposite of feeling loved or cared for or affirmed or validated or whatever. But I can tell you after um, not a whole lifetime, but certainly many decades of feeling erased by these two family members, I go away from conversations with them. I feel diminished. I feel less than who I am. I feel hurt. I feel like all I want to do is eat a giant chocolate chip cookie to feel better. <laughs> I mean, I feel all kinds of things yeah. that are, um, are not good. And um, that's part of why I'm, I was so passionate about listening before I wrote the book. And then with this, all this erasure idea coming up in the last year, as I've been thinking about it, I feel even more passionate because um, erasing somebody is the exact diametric opposite of Christian love. Yeah. And, and you know, there's a sense in which when I'm, I'm listening to you, you know, talking about this and, and sort of reflecting on it, there's a sense in which, you know, when someone feels erased, when they feel they're not being validated and heard, is it their job to educate the people who are, you know, erasing them? Or, you know, because I would imagine that um, having good listening skills requires some self-awareness. And, and yes. by the sounds of things, these family members don't have self-awareness. Yes. So do we, do we work to change their um, self-awareness? Or, you know, are there some skills that we can um, use to be heard a bit better? Right. So this is exactly an issue that is talked about frequently in questions of racial reconciliation and anti-racist work in the United States. African-American people have had to step into that role over and over and over to educate others about how to be better listeners to them. And over and over and over, they say it is exhausting to do that. Yeah. And when you talk about self-awareness, I had a conversation a few years ago with one of these family members. One of the, the strategies that both of these family members, conversational strategies that they do, is they'll talk about a topic and then they'll jump to the next topic without leaving a gap. So, so a, a, a normal conversation, or, or at least a satisfying conversation, I'm talking about the grocery store, the grocery store, the grocery store, and I pause so that the other person can say something about grocery stores. Yeah. And then I move on to talk about church, church, church. But both of these two people do grocery store, grocery store, grocery store, church, church, church. And so I'm thinking while they're talking, oh, there's something about grocery store that I'd like to say, but I can't say it because they're off on church before I can get on to grocery store. Yep. And so I said to one of these family members a few years ago, um, you know, I just have a suggestion for our conversations. It would be so helpful to me that before you change topics, you could leave a gap, a little gap of silence. And um, the person just kind of got mad at me 
And um, it, it was one of the least productive conversations I've had with anyone ever. So you, I mean, you still didn't feel heard, even when you're saying, I don't feel heard. Amen. <laughs> yes, I'm saying, I want some help here. Yeah. And I'm not, I don't feel heard either. So yeah, you kind of give up after a while. And I imagine that a lot of African-Americans in the U.S. have experiences their whole lives where they have asked, could we please do such and such different? And then they, yep. nothing changes. And after a while, you just give up. And so, so, so I mean, it's an interesting sort of, and I don't know if this is going to segue, I don't want to sort of um, move away from that topic if, if there's more you want to say, but there's a sense in which, you know, in the maritime sector, we are typically working cross-culturally. Yes. And, and if you're saying that, you know, often um, minorities or people of ethnic dis difference uh, to us feel that their conversation is not heard, um, or, or that they're not being listened to. How do we in the maritime sector mm -hmm. be aware of that? Because we are always engaging with people of different culture. Yeah, well, one way is you don't launch into your own story too quickly. Another way is you don't change the subject too quickly. Yep. You know, all these things that we've been saying apply cross-culturally as much as they apply in our own culture. But it feels to me like cross-culturally, you have to be even more careful to not jump in and not presume that, you've really heard well. I mean, it feels to me like maybe, maybe listening cross-culturally, it's, it's even more important to ask follow-up questions. Yeah. You know, uh, what that, what does that mean to you? And you were telling me that a lot of the people that you work with are Filipino. Yeah. And um, I would suspect that after some time passes, you learn some of the communication patterns of Filipinos. And you might learn whether it's a better follow-up question to say, what did that mean to you? Or maybe it's better to ask, how did that feel? Or maybe it's better to ask, oh, what happened next? Or maybe, you know, I, it would, I would imagine that you kind of might experiment with different follow-up questions and see which ones work best with Filipinos. But in general, relating across cultures is just like relating with our own culture, only more so, you know, you have to be more careful to pay attention and more careful not to assume that you understand or assume that you know what you should say next. Yeah. And so next time we're, you know, we're going to um, pick up in our next session, we're going to look at some of the key and core skills that um, are around good listening. Um, and certainly some of those uh, things will be expanded on. But one of the things I was really interested in your book um, is the fact that you said in your book that you personally view listening as a, an essential part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ and that it's an essential tool for everything God asks us to do. You know, in the maritime sector, you know, certainly working as um, on the front line of maritime ministry, we are, you know, we are to be a, a physical presence of Jesus. Now, we have to be very careful we don't proselytize. You know, we, we are a visible presence of Jesus. So how, how can being a good listener be an outworking of that? Well, that is a question that I'm loving to answer. So have you ever heard people take 1 Corinthians 13 and, they, you know, love is patient, love is kind, love is not jealous, boastful, or arrogant, and they say, Jesus Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus is not boastful, jealous, or arrogant. There's a real sense that when we behave along the lines of 1 Corinthians 13, we are modeling the love of Jesus Christ into the world, that yep. we are mirroring Jesus into the world. And I just, I could take each of those five, I'll just take a couple. Love is patient. 
Love doesn't look away at the screen on the wall and the rugby game in the middle of someone's story. Love doesn't jump in. Some people tell their stories in a very erratic way. We, love doesn't jump in and finish people's sentences for them. Love doesn't change the subject when a person is talking about something important to them. So love is patient. Love is kind. I mean, I to me, I think possibly because of these painful um, experiences with family members, um, it's just, to me, to be listened to is one of the biggest acts of kindness that yeah. I know. Um, I'm going to leave beside love is patient, love is kind, not boastful, jealous, or arrogant. Arrogant to me is to presume that my story has equal weight to the person's story that they're telling right at the moment. So like, like I said, I might tell a little piece of my story briefly to communicate to the other person that what they're experiencing is normal or, you know, not weird or whatever. But for me to take the conversation away from the other person so I can tell my story just feels so arrogant to me. And I've experienced so often where I'm, I'm really dealing with something important to me. And the person that is listening to me says, oh, I had that same kind of thing happen 17 years ago when such and such happened. I'm like, wait a minute, 17 years ago? And you're trying to tell me that you're still feeling that to the level that I'm feeling it right now? No, you are taking the conversation away from me believing that your story at this moment is more important than my story. And to me, that's arrogance. So um, love is patient. Love is kind. Love is is not arrogant. And when we love that way, we are bringing Jesus into a situation. I am so convinced of that. You know, the the famous St. Francis of Assisi saying, in all places, preach the gospel only when necessary, use words, you know, and that's talking about actions, but certainly uh, I, I take that to be very relevant to the, the question of how we listen. Yeah. And, you know, you know, just reflecting on what you've been saying there, because this has just been so eye opening to me, you know, God is the ultimate listener. You know, when we pray, when we engage with God, you know, God doesn't rush to fill the space. God listens and we feel heard. Um, Amen. My, my mother used to say to me, um, you know, all the time, she said, you know, God gave us two ears and one mouth <laughs> and we should listen twice as much as we speak. And, and then the other, the other thing that my mother used to say is, you know, you always have to remember that listen has the same letters as the word silent. Isn't that amusing? Yeah. 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 That is really amusing. So, so listening and being a good listener, what you're saying, what I'm hearing you saying is if we are a good listener, if people feel heard when they are sitting with us, that, that we are, we are um, demonstrating that they're the most important person, that their story is the most important story, that we're wanting to listen to that, that's demonstrating the gospel. Yes. But I I love the way you said that, that they're the most important person in the world right at this moment. I mean, is that not the message of the gospel, that each of us is precious in God's sight and we were created precious and we were redeemed at an enormous cost? And 
freed, freed by Jesus Christ? Yes. And you said God is a good listener. We, you know, we pray assuming that God is a good listener. You know, we talk, 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 talk when we pray sometimes. Um, But I also encourage people to read the gospels, to watch Jesus as a listener, because um, the story of the woman at the well in John four is remarkable. He really paid attention to all the cues that he picked up from her, her words and um, other stuff about her. And it's really, it's really fun to read the Gospels in the light of, you know, what kind of a listener was Jesus. It's, it's remarkable the way that he was able to focus in on the individual that he was talking to and their, and their exact situation. Yeah, and, and particularly if you think about many of those stories where Jesus is engaging, it's, he's surrounded by a crowd, but you get the sense that the crowd doesn't exist in that moment, that you know, he is listening intently to the person in front of him. And that's, that's what we desire, I guess. Yeah, mm-hmm. We do. And I'll just make a little plug for one of the skills that we're going to talk about next time. Jesus was not only focused on the individual, he was also listening to God and to what, how God was leading him to act in that situation. And um, that's one of the challenges as a Christian to listen is that we really want to be focused on the person ahead of us and also listening how God is communicating with us, how to respond in a conversation. Yeah. Well, that's been absolutely powerful. Uh, and there's lots, lots to unpack from that. Um, uh, Lynn's book is called The Power of Listening, Building Skills for Mission and Ministry. And we'll certainly um, put a link to that in the show notes, as well as some other resources that you've made available to us, some um, bits and pieces and connections to your website where you can pick up a whole heap of articles and information and more. Yeah, that, That's just so wonderfully uh, um, helpful today and a lot of gifts that you've given us. Is there anything that you think that we've missed out on before we um, close up today and think next time about some skills? Is there anything that you think that we haven't... Um, focused on? Well, I think it would be really cool if everyone in ministry prayed that God would help them develop their listening skills. Yeah, That's one little point. And another little point that I'll leave you with is, so of my friends who are really good listeners, all of the really good listeners read my book on listening when it came out. And all of them said, I have so much to learn about listening. Yeah. And I mean, it's just something we work on the whole rest of our lives. It's not like we suddenly get to a place, you know, oh, I've got listening mastered. Okay, I'll move on to another skill. It's a skill that we, I believe, need to keep working on our whole lives in order to be Christ's presence in the world. Yeah. And um, I I hope that as people are listening in today that uh, they're hearing that. Um, I, I, there's this, uh, a quote that I sort of want to finish with that is at the beginning of your book, which I think is just delightful. It's um, from Bonhoeffer. Um, Our love for others is learning to listen to them. May we, Amen, Lance. May, may we be people who show love by being people who can listen. Well, thank you, um, Lynn. Thank you for gifting us this time today. Uh, and we look forward to what we're going to um, hear from you in a fortnight's time. Okay. Thanks very much. Thank you. Bye. Now for some useful resources, and then a final thought. Firstly, some useful resources. I guess the most important one today is again to highlight our new website, asthecrowflies.weebly.com. 
This is a place where you can access every episode of As the Crow Flies and the show notes for each and every episode. So make sure you check it out. Useful resources include today Lynn Barb's own website, which is uh, lynnbarb.com. That's L-Y-N-N-E-B-A-A-B.com. There you'll find links to her books, including The Power of Listening, Building Skills for Mission and Ministry, which I highly recommend to you. However, there are also links on her website to other great resources, including some articles on listening as well. You might also like to check out Julian Treasure's TED Global 2011 talk entitled Five Better Ways to Listen. The link to that will also be in the show notes, as well as another podcast which has got a whole heap of tiny micro skills around listening entitled The Listening Skills Podcast by Lynn Lindberg. Now for a final thought. American radio host Larry King once said this, I remind myself every morning, nothing I say this day will teach me anything. So if I'm going to learn, I must do it by listening. So thanks for joining me for this episode of As the Crow Flies, as we have considered the importance of listening. I hope that it has been helpful to you. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already, so that you'll be able to connect to future episodes. Equally, if this episode has been useful to you, then don't forget to share it with others and give us a review so that we can continue to provide the sorts of topics and information that can help you to be better at what you do on the front lines of maritime ministry. So thanks once again for listening and for joining me on the journey. Thanks too for all that you do to make the lives of seafarers better. Join me next time as the crow flies. As the Crow Flies is made possible through the generous support of the Mission to Seafarers. The theme music is called Carefree. It is royalty-free music which was written and performed by Kevin MacLeod and made available through filmmusic.io.